Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast, member of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Any regular listeners of the pod will know that I love talking to business founders and I'm passionate about the future of artificial intelligence. Well, today we're going two for two with Mari Yaller, founder and CEO of Snackable, a platform that analyzes audio and visual content and identifies and extracts the most salient information into bite-sized content. Snackable, get it? Mari and I discussed her vision for Snackable, the secret sauce behind her entrepreneurial successes, and the potential for AI to impact not only business, but our everyday lives. All right, everybody, we are back in the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast virtual studio. Uh, I'm super excited, and I just want to kind of jump right in uh, to welcome Mari Yaller, the founder and CEO of Snackable. Mari, thank you so much coming live from Estonia. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Thank you, Michael, to have me here. It's, it's great to be here today. Uh, it's a pleasure. And like I said, I'm so excited to jump right in. We're going to talk a lot about AI and kind of the possibilities uh, leading into the future. But before we begin, I'd like to give all of my listeners a uh, kind of baseline on you. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and how your journey landed you to found Snackable? Sure. So Snackable is essentially what we call an insights engine for audio and video. So we're building this knowledge base that is built out of all the organizational audio and video recordings, which obviously these days we have tons of. And of course, the way to dive into that long form content, whether this is webinars or online events or customer conversations or team meetings, the way to really get into that is to do that with AI, because for humans, it's simply a too big of a task. So if you think about it, one hour recording in itself is 20 pages of transcription. So we really need this machine to basically go in, kind of break apart this black box of audio video and make it very easy to, for people to understand what's inside and more so to get the relevant insights to make business decisions. So that's what we built for Snackable. Um, I'm originally from Estonia. And I think if we go all the way back to why I got on this path and you know why do I love building businesses is that um, it's actually a great story. So when I was still pretty young, Estonia became an independent country. So we got our independence from Soviet Union in 1991. And I saw people only a few years older than me essentially build a new country from scratch. So we didn't really have any legacy infrastructure. We didn't have you know, a lot of money to speak of. So we said, you know, what's a great way to leapfrog? And we looked at technology. So I saw very early on like two things. One is that the amount of impact you can actually have, especially for a country as small as Estonia, which is 1.3 million people. And secondly, is that the power of technology to be able to like really affect very large scale, kind of very um, transformative change. So I think it kind of instilled in me this desire to solve real world problems and also to leave some sort of an impact or legacy with what I do. So and then my own path has been more winding, as you could say. So I actually got started more of as an entrepreneur before I was an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. meaning that I worked at some large organizations like Virgin Mobile and Nokia, building and scaling new products. And so that, I think, was good training wheels for me to become an entrepreneur and really kind of launch my own business as a as an entrepreneur, as you know, this term kind of mean what the term means for most people. God, that's such an inspiring uh, beginning. And yeah, I can only imagine how indelible that experience was. And it's so cool that you're continuing on that spirit uh, now all around the world. 
So you touched on it very lightly uh, that you're a business builder. And after your beginning stint as an entrepreneur, you've actually been quite the serial entrepreneur. Can you talk to us a little bit about what led you to begin Snackable, the latest one? What was the kind of impetus to create this business? So I think for me, it was really recognizing the opportunity in recorded content, you know, which is filled with knowledge. And I'd say the origins of Snackable were in my previous company called Scarlet. We built Scarlet to bring visibility into, you know, generally kind of voice-based content. And we saw that there was such an opportunity there. So if you looked at podcasts or radio or any kind of media content, it was full of knowledge, but it was really impossible for people to get the kind of the gist from that. So even you and I today are recording this podcast episode and we were talking about how we want to keep it short or, you know, as we say, snackable. But regardless, like what would allow you to kind of go inside and find like the most salient small kind of quotes or bits of information for somebody who only had, let's say, three minutes to consume the episode. So that's what we were looking at at the time. And uh, what we realized is that the way to do this was really with the help of AI, because that gives you scale, it gives you ability to kind of move quickly and to solve problems at a large kind of scale with data that is simply impossible for humans. So whereas Snackable was initially about podcasts and, and sort of recorded media, when the pandemic hit, it essentially made us all into content producers. So audio video recordings grew, you know, 10, 100 fold. So it was a much bigger opportunity. So we now had meetings and webinars and everybody was basically learning and communicating over video. And the problem is the same. You still have this, you know, linear content and people aren't linear. People want to get inside. They want to open it up. They want to see what's relevant. Mm -hmm. And so we basically were on a mission to open up that black box of, of recorded content. And so build this AI to basically make it easier for everybody to surface that knowledge and make it useful. And so the immediate need has been targeted towards marketers uh, to talk to their audiences in an efficient way, to be able to see what's really resonating with their audiences and be able to put messages out effectively. But we're in the process actually expanding that to anybody across an organization. That is so cool. That is so cool. And and I'm just going to say, uh, you uh, have been good enough to let us here at the ANA run some of our podcasts through the Snackable engine. And it's really, you know, for somebody as, who's dealing with AI and very knowledgeable about it, I'm still rather kind of a cynical person, but really like it, it can really identify what's going on and there and within that what the most salient parts are we haven't had one opportunity or one instance where it was like that's an interesting 90 seconds to pick so i'm just you know <laughs> not not necessarily an endorsement but i just have been able to actually use the platform and uh we found it to be pretty great so far um but beyond just uh, insights and kind of mining that, you're a really big believer in AIs and innovations, kind of greater opportunities to not only make businesses better, but make lives better. In your opinion, what do you see are the major barriers between now and that better tech-enabled future? That's such a good question. And I am a big believer in AI, and I think you can solve a lot of really important problems. And thank you for the feedback from the a and team's perspective. I mean, this is this is what we live for. That's what we love to hear. And, and great to hear that it's useful, because I think that's the number one thing that has to happen with AI. It has to be useful. So, mm -hmm. you know, when um, you have a hot technology and AI arguably continues to be hot because so much is happening and so many new developments are entering the market and just making like really foundational changes in how we can use the technology. 
So when you have something that you deem hot technology, of course, everybody jumps on the bandwagon. But it really needs to also solve the real problem. Because if, you know, as they say, if you have a nail, every tool looks like a hammer. So mm. it's, uh, it's uh, so I'd be bold enough to say, you know, and as you just confirmed yourself that, you know, snackable is useful. I mean, what we hear from your team is that they're saving countless hours of digging through the content with the help of, of snackable. So saving people time, making their lives a bit better, easier that way. I think that goes to that utility concept. So that's one. I think there's two other things. One is I think AI really has to be carefully thought out. So you have a lot of mar businesses in the market that claim to be AI, but oftentimes those they cannot live up to those claims. And I think while it's really encouraging for people to be you know, hopeful and to be optimistic and have large goals, um, if you then transport that um, kind of mentality into an area that's very sensitive, for example, healthcare, that can have really immense repercussions. For example, if you're using AI to diagnose symptoms, so you talk about accuracy and like what's the risk of it going wrong? Or if you're using you know, AI to identify cancer risk, for example, from x-ray scans. So you have like very different stakes at play. And I think you really have to be careful. And there has to be human very much in the loop to be able to kind of really direct the AI and to have very strong quality control in place. Um, and the third one, and one that is really close to my heart and I'm really bullish on is, is the idea of responsible AI. So, you know, what, what that is to say is that if machines are making decisions and determinations for us, their design and training also has to be really carefully considered. So there is issues like, you know, bias in data. So what do you feed into a machine? So I think, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about, um, we had talked about the concept of DEI. So of course, you know, you want AI to represent the entire population of the human race and not just, you know, sort of select privileged, privileged pieces of that. But also like what we saw related to that is, is the idea of, of responsible design. And so one story I'd love to share is from my previous company, Scarlet. So we built this new kind of a voice assistant who basically gave you proactive little mini briefings. So imagine Alfred from Batman, not Alexa. Mm -hmm. So you get up in the morning and Scarlet says, good morning, Michael, here's your day. Gives you a little inspirational quote, summarizes your calendar, gives you a weather report, et cetera. And we launched it as a mobile app. And we figured, you know, this is a little companion just to make people's lives easier, help you sift through large amounts of data, synthesize this into a little briefing. So kind of reduce this cognitive load that you have every day. Mm -hmm. And it was a mobile app with a nice voice and nice little personality. And we had a window in that mobile app for feedback that said, hey, tell us what else Scarlett could do for you. And what started happening is that people started writing personalized messages, not to the team, but for Scarlett. And they started saying things like, hey, Scarlett, I'm really lonely. You're the only person I can speak to. Hey, Scarlett, I have suicidal thoughts. What should I do? And this was something we had never anticipated. Right. Unfortunately, we were, we were monitoring that pretty rigorously. And we ended up hiring a community manager. We ended up building out resources. I mean, we're not in a position to answer those questions, but at least we had the responsibility to direct people to somewhere there we could, where they could find more information for help. And so we ended up actually doing quite a bit of like redesign on the app to make it really clear that this is not, this is not a real person. This is just a little voice behind the team that's built this company. But it's, it's really quite uh, fascinating how these un unintended consequences can happen 
especially with AI, with technologies that look very human but aren't. The Beyond Profit Podcast is part of ANA's Center for Brand Purpose. Host Ken Bo Yu serves up inspirational and insightful interviews with today's foremost leaders in the purpose movement. This podcast will help you learn about the power of purposeful marketing and why being a force for good can be a game changer in a competitive marketplace. Check out ANA.net slash podcast for more. I'm so glad you shared that story because there's a real risk of getting so excited about the tech that you kind of leave the human implications in the dust as you're speeding forward. Uh, And that's just such a powerful story to kind of, you have to keep the human behind the customer front and center, not just the customer, but the actual uh, multifaceted human behind it front and center when you're talking about tech developments, especially in AI. So to bring it back to Snackable, uh, since you're somebody who has a very big purview on the future, what in your mind is the ultimate vision for Snackable? Where, where are you headed? You know, that you could tell us. You don't have to, to let all the secrets out. I can absolutely tell you that. And so our goal is to be the common knowledge base for every organization and to be the knowledge base that's, you know, brings together all the audio video that they're creating in the organization. And of course, as we said, all of us are creating so much of it every day. And what we want to do is really be able to distill that so that people can make informed decisions from that information. So for marketers and other content creators that we're serving today, they can always leverage Snackable to quickly reveal the insights that engage customers, that help them decide what messages to put out the market, but also to teams across the organizations. And I think this expansion is really kind of what we're seeing happen right now. So is anybody from product to research to leverage Snackable to learn kind of what the market deems important? So for example, if you're a researcher, you have so much information that you need to distill to make a report, or if you're a custom experience, an account manager type of role, you have so many client calls every day. And let's say there was a trend that was starting to surface, maybe it was around like remote collaboration. So if if you're able to distill that trend and make it very visible, you now know what you need to build, what you need to pay attention to, what you need to sell, what you need to market. So it's really about creating this common, easily accessible source of truth so the teams can align and collaborate more effectively. Mm -hmm. That's great. And that really kind of puts a finer point on something where I think of Snackable as like, wow, it's great at identifying these things, but recognition to be able to go into a giant database and recognize in different parts what's being talked about. um, I just always love that when you see kind of how you enter the market and then the larger future behind it. And so that's just fascinating. So thank you for that. So Mari, the vast majority of our listenership are marketers. Shout out to the uh, ANA Marketing Futures Podcast Nation, which I just came up with right now. Um, so for these marketers, what are the most important things uh, that they need to know about AI and where should the kind of your, your, your day-to-day marketers focus be mm-hmm. right now to prepare them for the future? So I think for marketers and creative um, people in general, I think the main lesson is not even lesson, I would say, like the takeaway is that it, it, AI can be a really useful tool for you, but it's not going to take away your job. It's actually to the contrary. Uh, so we found two really important things and interesting things. One is that um, AI can actually make the person who is creative even more creative. What, mm. what it means is it's, it's what the thing that AI is great at, it's, it's, it's great at taking care of tasks that are manual, that are repetitive, and it can make you more efficient. And so 
free you up to be more creative and strategic. And we've seen that up with a lot of creative teams and marketing teams that we work with, because you know you take, for example, 12 tools and collapse it into one, or you take something that used to take you two to three days, and now you're able to do that in minutes. And that's just like a net benefit. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that is really fascinating is that it can AI can make people who are not creative actually creative. So another thing we've noticed is that you know if you give people simple tools, so for example, in Snackable's case, you can upload a piece of content and you can kind of get this you know short bite-sized nuggets or snacks that can really represent that content and can be you know really good fodder for uh, customer engagement or marketing or just social. Um, you know, any channel that you're trying to get the message out on. And we saw that actually what, where marketing teams could benefit is that put that tool into more people's hands. So all the people who used to come to marketers and creative people and say, hey, could you do this for me? Could you kind of cut this for me? Could you make this little video for me? Now the marketing team can say, hey, here's a tool. Go help yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of the benefits that we've seen. Uh, I think the second thing is that, again, as we are talking about before, is that, you know, make sure that the AI technology that you're considering is actually useful for you. They're not all built equally or thoughtfully. And I think, you know, being able to test it out and really making sure that it actually solves a need for you is, is, is pretty important before committing. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that might seem counterintuitive where a lot of this sounds like the shiny new object, but it needs to be a practical tool for the things that you need to do right now. That's such an important part of it. So we've touched on it lightly before, but I just want to go back to it one time because, you know, obviously I I research all of my guests before we chat initially, and you have such an impressive history of spinning up and creating companies that are very desirable by the market. What has been the key to your repeated success uh, in this in this kind of field? Well, first of all, thank you. And if I if I may say, not everything has been a raging success, but I I, I feel quite proud about the things that we've been able to build with uh, with my teams, and um, you know, actually be able to solve real problems for for people. So the utility or usefulness, I think, part of that as well. Because if you do something else, then it's just not going to have the longevity. And I think timing is is really important as well. Like working on Snackable right now, I don't think I've ever worked on anything more timely because none of us can, could really predict the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, when we first started Snackable, as I mentioned, like we were riding on the podcast wave. Everybody was making a podcast. Everybody was on a podcast. It was like the hottest thing in town. And so, and the pandemic happened and such a shift happened. But for us, it was kind of a good thing in a bad environment because we saw the opportunity to basically serve more people because now everybody was a content creator. And when I look Mm -hmm. back at Scarlet, you know, we were probably a little bit early. We had an ultimately we had a good outcome with that business, but we saw so many things, kind of foundational things around mental health and people's kind of psychology where they were feeling very lonely in real life, even though they were super connected online. And of course, you know, what I'm really happy to see is that mental health and that whole industry has really become much bigger and it's really become kind of center of focus. And so, but we were probably a little bit early and just starting to see kind of the initial signs of that. So I think there's kind of, there's a timing and there is a problem space for everything that I've done. And then I think, you know, combining these factors is always what matters in terms of startup success.
Mari, before we go on to some of the questions we ask all of our guests, if folks want to know more about Snackable and maybe want to hear more from you, where can they go? They can absolutely go to snackable.ai and check us out and, and you know, please reach out to me either on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm at Mari J on Twitter. Um, so would happy to, happily talk to anybody and answer questions because we're excited about what we're building and hopefully this it matters to more folks. Fantastic, fantastic. And yeah, I'm just going to say one more time, it is definitely worth a look. Um, it is helping us do something we didn't think was going to be possible in 2022. Um, and so yeah, so it's it's definitely worth a, a, a couple of minutes of your time to check that out. All right, Mari, this is something we ask all of our guests. Uh, I feel it's indelible to innovation and the future in general. What are your thoughts on diversity, inclusion, and equity? Well, Michael, I'm a woman in an industry that is technology, um, leading an AI company. So I think there's many ways to cut that down to a pretty small percentage that is actually representing that 50% of human race that are women. So I feel very bullish about DEI and uh, I'm a huge proponent of, of, of that concept. But at the same time, I feel, I find it very difficult to talk about any real progress on that topic mm -hmm. in the light of the Supreme Court's decision. Yeah. I'm a staunch supporter of reproductive rights and, and uh, I find it difficult to even comprehend that we're living in 21st century at the moment. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And uh, yeah, it really, it, it almost feels like every week that that question becomes more vital and more uh, confusing as the, as the days go by. We're gonna take a little bit of a left turn into a slightly lighter territory right now. Mari, slightly lighter. This is still very, very crucially serious. Uh, Mari, what, are, what is your favorite album of all time and why? I knew you were gonna ask this question and I thought long and to do about it. it. And I, I find it very difficult to answer is because the musical taste really ranges so broadly. But I was thinking to myself, what was the first album that I bought for myself? Mm. And that was some time ago. And I bought myself the 1967 album of The Doors called The Doors. Oh, love that. So while I listen to many different things ranging from jazz to classical to rock, I find myself every so often gravitating back to those kind of good old 1970s rock legends and I thought to myself oh the doors and so I played it for myself mm. the other day and I thought to myself this is still really amazing oh my goodness yeah the 60s I just don't you know and this is I I know I never liked so oh, we're never gonna see that it just feels like we're never gonna see a decade of music like that again I mean it was just so transformative it was so incredibly experimental and that's not I'm a music I'm a music maker in 2022 so I'm not trying to poo-poo my own generation but there's just something truly special about that entire entire decade and the doors were one of the most iconic groups back then so absolutely Excellent, excellent. So speaking of 2022, let's bring it up to the present. Uh, is there something you're listening to now, whether it's a song or an artist, maybe a podcast or a book? Uh, what's what's kind of uh, what's what's keeping your interest nowadays? So I try to read a lot. I try to read as much as I can. Um, I've been really into some of these um, kind of business books. I've read The No Rules Rules, which is the kind of Netflix Netflix culture book, which is really fascinating. Mm. But the book I really thought I'd mention is actually by a very good friend of mine, Kian Kohar. And he wrote a book called Competing in the New World of Work with uh, Keith Ferrazzi. Mm. And so it ha it's I'm really proud of him. He's uh, now at World Street Journal 
bestseller uh, book, and it's it's a really fantastic read about what it takes to run an organization and manage teams and empower teams in this new world of work. So this is post-pandemic, where where teams are more hybrid, when collaboration is happening asynchronously, and specifically talking about the importance of adaptability. So there's some really fantastic lessons in that book. It's called again, competing the competing in the new world of work. And um, I couldn't recommend it higher. There you go. You've got your uh, your recommendation of the episode, listeners. Mari, thank you so, so much. Uh, this has been such a, a, an illuminating conversation. And anytime you want to come back, we'd love to have you on the Marketing Futures Podcast. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.